Hi and welcome. We're so excited that you chose to join us today. And we hope that this message will inspire you to live the life that God designed you to live. For this message or others like it, you can go to our website or you can find us on our YouTube channel. Now sit back, relax, enjoy this message. Well, you know, this praise and worship time at church is so important because praise is a weapon. Uh, and when you call on heaven, while well, all of heaven shows up to fight your battles for you. You know, there's an, old, uh, there's an old classic rock song, love is a battlefield. I don't know about that, but life is a battlefield. But when you know that you're going to win every battle, because heaven don't never lose when they come and fight for you, why well, then it's fun to have a battle. Uh, you, you know, and, and uh, I, I was thinking about this when, when we were uh, doing these songs, the words on them. And, uh, you know, over in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they were arrested in Philippi. And they were beaten to the point where they almost died. And then they were put in prison. It said the, the third dungeon they were put in. Well, in the prison in Philippi where the third dungeon was, that's where the sewer from the city ran. And they were going to be executed the next day. It don't get much darker than that, but Paul, he, he had been a Pharisee, so he knew the whole Old Testament by heart. So what he did, he started thinking about all the t times people that had started to worship God and what God had done for him. So he, him and Silas started singing psalms. The psalms are just songs. So they started singing about, man, but for the Lord, he is good and his mercy endures forever, just like Jehoshaphat did. And then he went back and said, man, Paul, Paul uh, Silas, you and I, we live within the shadow of the Almighty, sheltered by the God who is above all gods. They ain't going to kill us tomorrow. A thousand might die at our left, ten thousand at our right, but that ain't going to touch us. And then they said, man, God says that when someone calls on him, he will rescue them every time. See, they were singing that in that prison, all cut up, chained in the sewage, and God showed up and set them free but there's more to the story. The, the whole prison, everybody in the prison got saved. The jailer, all his family, all the prisoners. And Paul started the church of Philippi there. That was the church. And those people were his closest friends, his best supporters for the rest of his life. That's what God does in a dark situation. He'll turn around and make it good. And them same city officials that were going to kill him the next day, they were so afraid of them that they begged them just not to get them in trouble the next day totally turned around. But that's what God does every time when we start to worship. But see, our praise, uh, when, we, when we praise, just like the words in, this, in these songs, we're agreeing with what God says in the Scripture. And that's where the power is when we start speaking it. You know, you can believe all you want, but it, you put the power of God to work, that weapon to work, when you start speaking it. And that's what we do when we sing these songs. And, 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 and it's, it's even more than that. I mean, you might be in a battle that you don't have faith for, but when we speak that together, there's somebody in this room that does, and they're agreeing with you, and you'll get victory. Or, or, or same way with somebody else. They might be in a battle that they don't have faith for, but you agree with them. You, and your faith will get them the victory. That's why we do this together. But, you, you, I mean, you can do this right at home, too, because uh, that's, that's where the power is. I, I'll tell you, the devil can no more hurt you when you're in faith than God can help you when you're in fear. If you remain in fear, you're focused on the problem. 
But when you get over and focus on God like we do when we start speaking about how great he is and what he's going to do to help us, why, man, perfect love comes in and it casts out fear and it does the thing. And you, and you might be here today, too, and you say, well, I'm not in a battle. Everything's going great for me. Uh, man, no, see, don't settle. If you're just coasting through life, man, you're dying. God's got so much. He just wants to promote you. He always wants to promote you. He, he, I mean, he sees you for who he made you to be. And, and boy, he just, he's just waiting for you to agree with him so he can pile on his power to bring you there to create that destiny that God's called you for. So we're all battling in that, in that sense, see. And, man, once, once you know that heaven is fighting for you, why, the, the, the care is gone of it. There, there's, there's nothing left but the, but the laughing. You, you know, God sits on his throne, it says in Psalms 2, and all of the governments on, on earth come against him. And he just laughs because he know, heaven fights. They win. The same way for you and me. God wants us to rule our world right here. Each of us have a world that we've created by what we say. But God wants us to rule our world just like he rules his, always laughing. Because we know we're always going to win. That's what praise does. See, praise is a weapon. Why, why don't ever come to church and think, well, oh man, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of uh, just go on autopilot here until Steve gets up to preach. Because man, it's his praise and worship time that's winning your battles. It's all good, man. Steve gets up to preach, and he just puts more word on uh, in your heart, and just like putting gas on the fire here. But, man, this praise and worship time is so important what you say. Amen. So, man, we're, we're going somewhere today. <laughs> we're going to move on with the service. Man, why don't, I'm, I'm so glad everybody is here today. Man, thank you for coming to church. You know, this service wouldn't be as good if you and any one of us wasn't here so, so we're going to have a great time today. You know, I'm, I'm Dave, part of the staff here, and, uh, and Pastor Steve's coming up. But, but why don't we greet everybody? Good job, guys. Good. Well, good morning, everybody. So good to have you all here. You're a good-looking group of people. Praise God. And uh, I tell you, God thinks so much of you guys. I mean, you're the apple of his eye. And, uh, you know, sometimes life can be hard. And sometimes we think that's God doing that to us. But James makes it clear that life, there can be problems, there can be challenges, but every good and perfect gift comes down from God. Amen? Amen. God loves us, cares so much about us. I want to receive our offering. The ushers could please help me. Uh, if you need, uh, you're giving an offering uh, cash, you need an offering envelope if you want a receipt. Just slip your hand up one of these ushers to give you an offering envelope. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. 
Amen. Thank God that we have the privilege of giving. Praise the Lord. God's been blessed us so much. We can give back to him a portion he's given to us. All right. Is everybody ready to do something? Let's take our offering in our hand. Let's pray over it. Lord, <clears throat> thank you, Lord. The river of God is flowing in this place today. We're just so thankful for that, Lord. And we just cast our bread upon the water. Lord, we just give into this anointing and this presence Believing you, Lord, that you're going to produce a harvest of righteousness as a result of this, these gifts that we give. Thank you for these awesome people and their faithfulness to give uh, every week and every month. Lord, we're just so blessed by them. And Lord, we just pray you bless them in return. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Go ahead, man. You can pass your offering buckets. I was going to announce something. You know, right now it slipped my mind what I was going to announce. Well, David Wagner, he's coming in October. Also, um, actually, in a, a week from tomorrow, my, I don't know, my wife and I, she left already, but, oh, there she is. We're uh, headed to uh, Sri Lanka. And so we're going to be in Sri Lanka for about 10 days. And uh, some of you guys have been here when Mitch has been here, Woody's been here. So we're going to be over there, and they got the schedule pretty packed up. And so we're going to be doing services there all over the countryside and up in, I don't know if we're going up in the mountains or not, but we're going to do a lot of stuff and it's going to be awesome. So if you want to remember to keep us, remember to pray for us. In fact, let's pray right now. And I want to pray for our leaders and our, our president, and our government. Would you just grab somebody by the hand? Let's just pray together. Lord, we just come into agreement for our nation and for our president and the leaders of our nation now, Lord. We pray your hand of protection be around them. We pray, Lord, that you give them wisdom, every single one of them, making right decision. We thank you for under, uh, undoing corruption, uncovering corruption in our, our leaders, or our nation, Lord, and bringing about that which is righteousness and wholesome. And we just pray for this nation. We thank you, Lord, that its greatest days are yet ahead. And we won't curse this country. We won't curse this nation, but we bless it. And believe that a mighty awakening is coming to our land. And we're just so grateful for that. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Everybody agrees? Amen. Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to John chapter 7. And we've been talking about peace. Peace. Peace, man, peace. And, uh, and so we've been talking about peace. And we talked about peace as an umpire. And um, we talked about peace as a guard. These are all words the Bible uses when it talks about peace. Peace is an umpire. Peace is a guard. We talked last week about peace as a garden. Remember, North Dakota is the peace garden state. And so we talked about peace as a garden. Today, I want to, this is my last message on this subject. I want to talk to you about peace like a river. Now, if you hear that expression, you know, you probably recognize it. Um, there's a lot of uh, songs you know, there's an old hymn, when peace like a river flooded my soul. Um, and uh, there's one, a chorus that we used to sing, I got peace like the river, I got, you know that one? You were gonna let, I thought you'd join in, but anyways, <laughs> if you're not, I'm not going to keep singing it. But anyways, so joy like a fountain, love like an ocean. And, so there's, and then there's actually a book titled Peace Like a River. And even uh, Paul Simon has a song, Peace Like a River. So it's a pretty well-known phrase. But I want to talk about peace um, in connection, like a river, in connection with the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
And, uh, but first, let me just talk a little bit about how important rivers are. You know, in our day, we have ways to move water uh, from one place to another pretty easily. And we have bottled water. We have all water towers, all of these different things. But if you were back hundreds of years ago and you lived, you'd discover that water is really important and trying to get water is really important. And uh, if you were a pioneer, you know that water was absolutely essential. And most of the cities, old cities and old towns, they were built on rivers, military forts, even houses were built on rivers or by rivers or bodies of water because that was so essential. I mean, you, ha you couldn't bathe yourself without water. Well, you couldn't even exist without water. You had to have water. Couldn't grow things. Couldn't bathe yourself. Couldn't cook. I mean, you had to have water. It was so important. In fact, I was looking at the journey of, of, of Abraham when he left Ur of the Chaldeans and he came to the Canaan land. He didn't come straight across. He actually followed a river up to Haran, and then he actually followed another river down. And because water was so vitally important, you had to stay by water if you're going to survive. And so that's why water. And so when, years ago, when they talked about rivers, it, may, it, meant different, it meant a different thing to them than it does to us. Because we think, well, rivers, you know, it's, they're nice, whatever, babbling brook, whatever. But to them, it's like when you say river or you say water or lake or something, they're going, it's essential. You have to have it to survive because there's no other way you can do it. You have to have water. And so rivers became very important. So when the Bible talks about rivers, when it says, talking about the Holy Spirit, it's putting such an importance on it that was probably different to them than it is to us. The other thing about rivers is that they would transport stuff by river. It was a great means of transportation. I think it's interesting that every river has a current to it. And the Holy Spirit is pictured in Scripture as a, as a river. And every, current, every river has a current to it. You know, it's interesting. There's a town. I don't know. This is a little trivia. There's a town in Mississippi called Rodney, Mississippi. How many have ever heard of it? Rodney, Mississippi. You, the reason you haven't heard of it because it's kind of a ghost town today. But at one time, Rodney, Mississippi was an incredible town. And it was built right on the Mississippi River. And it was a major import and export of goods. It was a port town where they would load barges and they would send them down to the Gulf of Mexico on the, because the town was right on the Mississippi River. In fact, it was so uh, prosperous and so, so much stuff happening in Rodney that they were considering to make it the capital of the state of Mississippi. And they only lost by three votes to Jackson, which is now the capital of Mississippi, but they only lost by three votes. And that's how prosperous this town was. And, um, but today, the town doesn't even exist. If you go there, there's a few buildings, a couple churches that are all broken down, run down. And the reason for it is this, is some kind of a freak of nature, the Mississippi River changed course. And so right now, the town is several miles from the Mississippi River, where it was originally right on the Mississippi River. And so it's some kind of a freak, and they, they've studied this. Why, why did a major river, the Mississippi River, how could the Mississippi River change course? Do you know what they came up with? Debris. Debris clogged in the river, caused the river to change course. And I want, I want you to think about this. And because of that, that town died. 
And I want you to think about that. It's a picture of our lives and how important the Holy Spirit is to our lives and how important it is for us to stay connected to the river. It's so important for our lives that we stay connected to the river and that we don't lose sight of it and that we don't just take it for granted. In John chapter 7, I want you to turn there. Did you already turn there? You're so obedient. It says that Jesus said this, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, think about that phrase, if anyone thirsts. So if you don't thirst, this won't work for you. But if you are thirsty, he's got a word for you. If you're thirsty this morning, he has a word. If you are spiritually thirsty, you want more of God. You want, to be, want God to touch you. You want to experience God on a deeper level. If you're thirsty, he has a word for you. He said, come to me and drink. As the scripture says, out of his belly or heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed on him were to receive for as yet the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so if you're a born-again Christian here, you have the Holy Spirit. If you've been Spirit-filled, you have a river flowing out of you. And that river is a symbolic, uh, it's, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit, every single one of us. And so you think, well, I couldn't be detached, detached from the Spirit. But how many know this is true, that every one of us can begin to respond to the flesh, Right? And we can lose sight and we can actually become detached from the Holy Spirit. And so God wants us to be, God wants us to be, uh, it, you know, be in tune with the Spirit. He wants us to feed. He wants us to yield, be sensitive uh, to the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, what we do is we end up yielding to our flesh and all that is ugly and nasty begins to come out of us. You know, for several years, my family... We used to be able to go every, every winter to California to a place called Palm Springs. And it's a very beautiful, it's probably one of the most beautiful cities. My parents lived there in the winter. And so we would go out there for maybe 10 days. And I mean, getting away from a Minnesota winter was in, uh, uh, unbelievable. But to go to a beautiful city like that was unbelievable too. But the city of Palm Springs is built in a desert. It's actually everywhere you look, all the way around, it's deserts. Now, if you think, Think about deserts. Deserts, to me, aren't very pretty. I know some people say, oh, I think deserts are so beautiful. I think they're ugly because they're drab. The colors are drab. Uh, the, the, there's rocks and there's sand and there's dirt. I mean, and, and it's nothing really grows there. The only thing that grows there are these cactus plants or these snarly little uh, desert plants that they sit there and they sit there and you get near them, you get stuck. You know, that's how it is. And the reason for it is because they don't have water. They're not by water. But the city of Palm Springs was built around 12 springs. And that's why I call it Palm Springs. It's built around Palm Springs. So here's this incredible contrast. You have this horrible-looking desert, which I think looks horrible, with these prickly little, prickly little uh, cactus plants everywhere, and, and the typical cactus plants, but also other prickly plants that aren't typical cactus, but they're just as prickly. They grow out there because they don't have any water. And then you, in contrast, you have this beautiful city that's built on these 12, uh, on these 12 uh, springs, and you have all this luscious uh, uh, growth, palm trees, you have fruit trees, you have all this luscious looking fruitfulness, so you see this incredible contrast. And you know, that's a picture of our spiritual life. 
If we don't live by the river, if we don't live connected to the river, what happens, we slowly move into a desert position. And what happens is we start growing these prickly, prickly desert plants. And when people get near us, they go, oh, man, that is prickly. I remember I went, we were out one time golfing, and uh, we, they, there was only three of us, so they put somebody with us. And so we were golfing, and we were in a, on a desert course, and they had, you know, groomed the fairways and stuff, so they were nice and green. But you get off the fairways, there's all these desert plants and stuff. And so this guy that was with us, he had, he had got off, off the fairway, and so he was looking for his ball, and he accidentally brushed up against one of these desert plants. And they, they had these long quills, and it immediately stuck in his arm. I mean, he didn't like ram it. He just brushed it like that. It immediately stuck in his arm. And the ends of it, as soon as it goes into your arm, the ends curl up inside you. And so when you try to pull it out, it's like a fish hook. And so he's over there going, what's going on here? I can't get these out. So I go, and he just brushed against it. So I went over there, and I'm pulling out, and I'm going, this is serious, my friend. I don't, I'm not sure how to get this out. And so he actually had to go to the clubhouse and get somebody to turn them just like you would a a fish hook and get them out of his arm. But that's how, that's how it is. When, listen, I just feel God on this point. When you don't live by the river, when you don't live by the river, you live detached from the presence of God. What happens is it's almost like your life, you become like one of those cactuses sitting out there. And anybody brushes up against you, it's like, oh, it's prickly being near that person. You might be a Christian cactus, but you're still a cactus. And the problem is you just have not had much contact with the river. Amen? And so it's so important for us to, to live, take our position by the river. You know, it's interesting. You're, uh, not too long ago, I heard this testimony, and um, it was uh, about, about, about a guy named Beckett Cook. And uh, he was like a militant homosexual. And uh, he was a very successful guy. He was a, like a, he was a producer. He was an actor. He, was a, uh, he had his own clothing line. He was very successful, had, was worth millions and millions of dollars. And he lives, lived in Hollywood, or still does, I guess, in Hollywood, California. And he said that he, um, he would go to these big shows, you know, like he was one time he was in France, and they had this big, you know, what they call shows, you know, where they do these, where these ladies walk down the runways and wiggle and stuff like that. You know, you've seen them. And so he was at, you know, he had a clothing line, so he was there. And he said all the biggest names, all the biggest names in the clothing industry were there. And he goes, we, had, we were in an after party. And he goes, I'm sitting there. He said, and I'm a militant homosexual. And he said, I'm looking out over this crowd. And he goes, I'm feeling so empty inside. And so then he said, and he says, I shouldn't feel this way because I am prosperous. I have money like you can't believe. And fame and fortune. And he said he went back to Hollywood, California a few weeks later. And he said he was sitting at a, at a cafe with one of his friends. And he looked next to him and he saw two people sitting there. And they both had Bibles. And he said, I looked at them and I'm going, I haven't seen a Bible in Hollywood, California since I've been here. He was just like blown away. You know, he was raised like a traditional uh, historic church. I just won't leave the I'll leave the name out. But uh, and so he just really he had become an atheist. Basically, he's as an atheist and pretty militant. And, and so he's looking at these two and he's going, they got Bibles and they're reading them to each other and they're talking about stuff. And he's just like blown away. And so finally he goes, excuse me. He goes, are you guys Christians? He goes, they go, yeah. He goes, 
wow. He goes, well, tell me about your faith. And so he starts talking about their faith. They start talking about the faith, telling them the gospel message. And, uh, and so then it comes to the end and he goes, he goes, well, what, what does your faith teach about homosexuality? And they said, well, it teaches that it's a sin. And he goes, normally I would just get so angry. I would probably berate them. I'd probably take my drink and throw it in their face. Or he said, but I, he said, for some strange reason, I just said, oh, okay. And then they go, why don't you come to our church? And he goes, me, me go to church? He's like, I couldn't even, he couldn't even imagine him going to a church. It, but, you know, next Sunday came around, he goes, well, maybe I should go to that church. And so he comes to church, and the first thing he encounters is Christian music, which he had always made fun of it all, all of his life. But he said, you know, it was pretty good. It wasn't too bad. So he, he goes in, he's listening to the Christian music, and then he sits down, and the preacher gets up and starts preaching. He's thinking to himself, that's not too bad. You know, he goes, he started agreeing with some of the points and stuff. And, and then at the end, the preacher goes, well, we got some prayer counselors here. If you'd like prayer, just come forward, and one of these prayer counselors will pray for you. And he goes, prayer, me, huh? And so he goes, oh, well, maybe. So he gets up, and he walks over to one of, these, one of these guys, and he goes, well, I'm an atheist, tells the guy that. I'm an atheist. I don't know why I'm here, uh, but I thought maybe I'll get some prayer. <laughs> And so he said the guy lays hands on him. He goes like, <laughs> he backs up like, what, what, what's this, you know? And he says he prays this real strong prayer. He goes, man, it was pretty good. And so, but he didn't really feel anything or notice anything. And so he goes back to his seat and sits down. And he's listening to the worship music. And he says, all of a sudden, it happened just suddenly. All of a sudden, this wave of, of God's presence just wept over him. And he said, oh, I begin to weep uncontrollably. He said, not, an, not a good cry, an ugly cry. I mean, snot and, and, and uncontrollably. And people, it was so bad that people came around him and were patting him, you know, trying to console him. It'll be okay. And he's sobbing uncontrollably. And there was two realities that came when that presence came. One was God has so much incredible love for you it's unbelievable. And the second one is, you are definitely a sinner. And so he said for a week on and off, he, he would sob uncontrollably for a week. And then in the midst of all this, God spoke to him and said, called his name and said, you are my child. And he'd go around to everybody goes, you, can you believe it? I, I'm a child of God. He would tell all of his friends that, I'm a child of God. They thought he was cuckoo because they were part of the, some of them accepted it, but some thought he was kind of nutty. But he, that was 10 years that I heard his testimony. That was 10 years later. And he said, I'm still serving God. He said, I still have temptations, but I'm still serving God. And, and I, have to put, I have to resist temptation to sin like anybody has to. But God has still made that aware to me. In fact, later when he read Paul's, testimony about being smitten on the road to Damascus. When he read it, he goes, that happened to me. That happened to me. But here's my point. My point is that you could sit there and argue with this guy until the cows come home. You could come up with all kinds of stats. You could come up with all kinds of reasoning. You could tell the guy he's a sinner, and you'd probably get his drink thrown in your face. That's all you'd get. But when he had an encounter when he had an encounter with God, what happened? All of his defenses fell down. 
all of his resistance fell down. And he, like the Bible says about Isaiah, he became undone in God's presence. He became undone in God's presence. And I've become totally convinced that what we need in our world, in our church, and in our world is we need to have an encounter with God. We need to have an encounter with life. We need to have an encounter with the river of God. I'm glad I said that. You know, sometimes as a preacher, you know, it's interesting. I, it's like some people are like Superman. You, you can be saying things to them and everything you say bounces off. I remember one time I was talking, I was preaching one time and I was, I was talking about how, you know, we as parents, we need to look for the good in our kids. And I was saying that. And we need to not just badmouth them all the time. Because sometimes kids, you know, they act up a lot. And so you just go and stop that, quit that. What are you doing? Are you crazy? But, you know, you, you know, sometimes that's all that comes out of your mouth. I heard a guy say one time, it's like a, it's like a, a, a gold mine. You have to, there's dirt in a gold mine, but you're not looking for dirt. You're looking for gold. And so look for the gold. And so I preached that. I mean, I passionately preached it. I mean, I really had verses and I'm saying all this stuff. And right after I got done, a lady came up to me who was known to kind of badmouth her kids all the time, came up to me and said, I totally agree with what you said. My kids are crazy. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, how, how, how can you listen to what I just said? And they come up to me and say, the very thing I said, don't do, you said do. And you said you agree with me. You're doing the thing I told you not to do. You know what I found out? Is that people, when you talk, when you talk a good sermon or you preach some good principles, what they do is they rationalize, they justify, they wiggle out of it. Doesn't mean me, doesn't mean uh, I'm not the one you're talking to. I justify, they put walls up, they, they hide behind things, and it doesn't penetrate them. But what happens is when the river comes, when the presence comes, when the river of God comes, when the glory of God comes, what happens is they become undone. All of a sudden, the walls start falling down. Remember in the Old Testament, where they talked about when, when the uh, enemy armies would come against Israel and Israel would go out into battle. The enemy armies sometimes, when, they were, when Israel was praising God, the enemy armies would say, our defenses have departed from us. Our defenses, our defenses have departed from our enemy in the New Testament is not people. Our enemy is arguments. Our enemy is self-justification, self-righteousness, self, self uh, I'm okay, that type of stuff. That's our enemy in the New Testament. And when the presence of God comes, what happens is our arguments, our self-justification, I'm okay, you're screwed up, you need to change, I don't need to change, that is demolished when the presence of God comes. When the river touches your life, what happens is all those defenses and you feel undone. You feel just like Isaiah said, I'm undone. I'm a man. I see where my unworthiness. I see where I've missed it. That's what happens when the presence of God comes into a person's life. That's why Paul said here, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, he says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith must not rest on, the human, on human wisdom, but on God's power. See, he said, I don't just rely on cute little things. I don't just rely on human reasonings. I don't just rely on precepts or good morals or, or preaching good standards. I don't just rely on that. I'm looking for a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You know what the word demonstration means? 
It means showing off. That's what it means. It means showing off. When the Holy Spirit starts showing off, that means he starts doing things. He starts, he starts uh, you know, I think one of the greatest works that he does, I mean, I thank God for healing. I thank God for outward things that God does, prosperity. But I tell you, one of the greatest work that he does is when he flips people's hearts. Because when you try to talk to people about issues, there's so much wrangling and there's so much self-justification. There's so much, yeah, but my point of view. There's so much of that goes on. But when a person has an encounter with God, all those arguments fall. And that person sees themselves in the God's presence. You don't look at where other people have missed it. You start seeing, you know, I need some work here myself. You know, you think about it is, a lot of times, and I say this a lot. And I don't mean to be too repetitious, but, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's two like philosophies of the Christian life. One is to live your life by doing what is, by the principle of right and wrong. That's wrong, this is right. By the principle of right and wrong. The other is to live your life by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, as Paul says. You know, it goes back, way back to the Garden of Eden. The Eden was full of trees, but there's two trees that were named. One is called the Tree of Life, and the other is called the Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil. It didn't say the knowledge of evil. It says the knowledge of good and evil. And so that's the, that's the whole thing of right and wrong, good and evil. And so he said, don't eat of that tree. Now, it's not that God is trying to promote evil or that God is trying to promote bad. We know that he isn't, right? We know that God has standards. He has morals. And he wants you to live a moral life. But the thing that he's, what he's trying to get at is he's trying to get at, there's two ways to get there. One way or at least it seems like there's two ways to get there. One way, you'll always end up frustrated if you just try to do it in your own strength. But there's another way that you can get there, and that is if you stay connected to life. You continually live by the river. I mean, it's like, a, it's like, um, it's like Jesus said in John 15, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, it's interesting. Um, the next verse, verse 2 says, every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes it away. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it or prunes it that it might bear more fruit. Do you know what's interesting about that? The word takes away is not what the Greek says. Even though every verse, every Bible definition or uh, every Bible uh, what do you, translation, thank you, sister, on the front row, uh, says he takes away or he cuts it off. But the Greek doesn't say that. The, the Passion Translation brings this out. It says, the Greek actually says, every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, it says, he lifts it up. He lifts it up. That's the literal Greek. Just like it says that when, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, the enemy said, jump off. The angels will bear you up. That's the same word. Bear you up in their wings lest you dash your foot against a stone. Or it says when people lifted up their voice, it's the same word. Lift it up. It's the same Greek word. I don't know where they came up with cut off. But it says every branch that doesn't bear fruit, it doesn't say he cuts it off. He lifts it up. And they, what they say in, in, in vineyards, what they say is when a, when a branch falls on the ground and lays there, it will be unfruitful. And so what they do is they lift it up, they prop it up, and they put things under it to prop it up so that it can gain strength, can gain strength. Now listen, it can gain strength and it can begin to bear fruit again. Now you can, you can cut yourself off, but God's not going to cut you off. 
But it shows you how important the, the life that's in the vine, the stem or the trunk, that goes into the branches. You have to stay connected to the branches, to the vine. And what happens is you just bear fruit. And if you stay by the river, you won't become a cactus. Amen? But there's two, there's two philosophies of how we live our Christian life. One is trying to do what is right, doing good and evil. How many know that there's a lot of good people that are just not even Christians? I've been fooled so many times. I mean, I, this person is like serving you or something, and, I'm, and they're so nice. It's like, come on. And I go, you're, you're a Christian, right? They go, no, I'm an atheist. Come, come on. You're nicer than most Christians I know. you got to be kidding me. A lot of Christians, they're those cactus dwellers. They're living in the desert, the cactus dwellers, cactus Christians. But you can be good and not even be a Christian. What God wants you to be is he wants you to be spiritual. He wants you to live in the river. And when you live in the river, there's a current to the river. And the current of the river moves you along. Amen? Moves you along. There's a current to the river. And that current will move you on. It'll give you guidance. It'll give you direction. It'll bring you along. You know, it's, it's pretty hard to sit still when, when, when you're sitting in a river because it, the current takes you. Amen? And that's what God wants. You know, it's interesting here. So that's the two ways that we can live our Christian life. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. Notice the words death and life. The mind governed by the, by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. See, what happened when Adam ate, he, it says he died. Ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he died. He should have kept eating from the tree of life. Amen. And not only he would achieve things that he could never achieve in his own strength or his own ability. Notice, in, not that we're against the law. We're not against the law. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 21. It says, is the law then contrary to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if it, but if a law had been given that could give life, notice life is the issue. God wants you to partake of life. God wants you to partake of his spirit. He wants you to drink deeply of his spirit on a regular basis. He wants you to have encounters with him on a regular basis, not just once in your whole life, but on a regular basis. Because God wants your faith not to be in the wisdom of men, but he wants your faith to be in the power of God. I'm experiencing, God, you're saying God is experiencing a reality. You're experiencing a real God, not some, not some uh, theory. You're experiencing a real God. His real presence is impacting your life. And it does something to you. The greatest miracle is what happens when you have an encounter with God and it shifts your heart. Your defenses fall down. Your reasoning, your, your self-justification falls down and you're laid bare. Here I am. That's awesome. I mean, something's going to happen now, buddy. I'm telling you that right now. I mean, that, but we don't like that. We like to kind of cover ourselves and keep protect ourselves, and we put all of our accomplishments up there. And we did this, and we've done that, and we've been good, and we got this, and we got that. And when when the presents come, all the trophy the trophy case gets knocked over, and God goes, "Me and you, buddy." And God begins to do a work in our hearts. Look at this verse in John chapter 5. Notice that in Galatians it was, it was life. That was the issue. Jesus said this, Very, very, I tell you, whosoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life 
and will not be judged, but has crossed over, crossed over from death into life. In other words, he's crossed over. Tell your neighbor, I crossed over from death into life. See, all these verses tell you one thing about God. These verses don't tell you, be a good little person. It doesn't tell you that. Be a good little person. It talks about partaking of life. It talks about drinking in life. It talks about being a partaker of life. It talks about being a partaker of the Spirit of God. It talks about part, drinking in deeply. Not, not talking about just be a good little, because you can be a little, good little person without partaking of life. But you can't be a spiritual person without partaking of God's life. And God calls you to walk in the Spirit. Here's a good verse. Look at Ezekiel 47, verse 9. I'm coming close to the end here. You guys doing okay? How many want to partake of some life? See, I think, that's a, I think that's a prophetic picture, that town Rodney, Mississippi. I think that's a prophetic picture. Because that river got rerouted from them because of debris. Debris. Debris actually, over time, pushed the river away, and they stayed where they were. I mean, come on, don't you notice the river is moving away from you? The You know, after a while, you go... You know, wasn't that, wasn't that river right here at one time? Where did that thing go? You know, after a while, it finally was miles away. Come on. But I think it's a prophetic picture. What happens is that we can go to a place spiritually where we're just on autopilot, so to speak, and we're kind of like uh, number 27. We're kind of like a cactus out in the desert, Right? And, and, and you, you can kind of see that we're not drinking the river a lot of times because of what happens in our relationships. We're so prickly in our relationships. Can't get along with anybody, mad at everybody, looking at everybody. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. The Bible tells us to pursue peace with all men, without which no one will see the Lord. We have to resolve issues. And sometimes, you know, we, like I said, we have these walls up. We have these walls up, and we're justified because we're, we got laid out. I mean, how many know we have arguments? We're like little lawyers. We got this whole argument laid out. This person is blah, 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 blah. And we hide behind that. We hide behind that. Yeah, well, blah, 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 blah. And when the presence comes, when the Spirit of God comes, when there's an encounter, all of a sudden, this blah, blah, blah goes, and all of a sudden, our heart gets shifted. That is a powerful thing. When that happens, if that has never happened to you, I, I fear for you. That should not just happen once, but that should happen on a regular basis where our heart becomes impacted. And we say, woe is my issues. Because we all have a tissue for your issues. Right? And you'll, if you have an encounter with God, you're going to need a tissue for your issues. Because you're going to begin to see that you are the one. Amen. And sometimes what happens is when people have a standard, a good standard of, and I live a good life. I mean, I'm not up here trying to tell you at the end of the sermon, I'm going to tell you something and open your eyes, you know. No, there's nothing like that. But what I'm trying to say is that the standard is not just being good. The standard is being spiritual, following the spirit, living by the river, living connected to the river. Because what happens is that 
things come down the river. Look at this verse, Ezekiel 47, verse 9. He says, and wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. Notice that word live. Wherever the river goes, every creature will live. And there will be many fish, for this water goes there. This living water goes there. That's the waters of the sea may become fresh. It's actually talking about the Dead Sea becoming fresh. So everything will live wherever the river goes. Wherever the river goes, it li whatever it touches, whatever the river touches, it brings forth life. That's what happened to this, this Mr. Cook. This, I can't say his first name, Beckett, whatever, Cook. That's what happened to him. He's like, in, he's in this argument, I'm this, I'm that, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm strong in this, whatever. Bam, the river touches him. Woo, glory to God. I, I'm loved by God, and I'm a sinner, and I need to get right with God. He's, I'm his child. One touch from the river, and all of his defenses, all of his arguments fell down. And he changed and altered his whole life. All you need is a little dip. That's all you need. That's all I need. A little dip. I've had lots of dips, but I don't want to live on past dips. You know, I've had dips where I cried uncontrollably, but I've had dips where I laughed uncontrollably. I've had all kinds of dips, but that's what we need. We need it. We need. That's what God intended. It talks about times of refreshing. He didn't expect you to get saved and have an encounter once, and then 50 years later, we're still talking about that. Well, remember that 50 years ago, you know. Fifty years ago, I had that encounter. Yeah, what has happened lately? Oh, nothing really. I'm, I'm a cactus. A little prickly to the touch, but I, here I am. Beautiful thing, you know. Drab, living out here with the rocks and the sand. No, God wants us to have, God wants us to have vital union with himself continually because wherever the river goes, it brings forth life. Amen? And so I want to conclude here um, and so we have to ask ourselves the question, where am I living? Am I a fruitful tree living by a river in a lush area, or am I be, have I become a cactus? And like I said, one of the greatest indicators is where you are at with your relationships. And a lot of times what people say is, yeah, but you don't know how goofed up they are. Everybody's goofed up. But how goofed up are you? And we don't know until you get touched because you can always put forth a good argument, but we don't know until we get touched by the river. Amen? So here's the thing. If I'm living by the river, here's, here's a description of my life. It's found in Galatians 5. Is if I'm living by the river, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let me ask you, how do you measure up to those things? Love, joy, peace, Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How do you measure up? You say, well, I don't know. You're not talking about me. You could be a Christian. You could even be spirit-filled. What happens is you haven't been living by the river. Because when you live by the river, what happens is you start producing these kind of fruits in your life. Love, joy. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you because he loves you passionately. He loves you passionately. It's just that you need a dip. How many follow what I'm saying? Because what happens is the farther away that you get from the river, the more snarly you become, just to be honest with you. 
short-tempered, see everybody else's fault, critical of everybody. Nobody can meet your expectations. Just gnarly, complaining about everything, criticizing everything. Buddy, you have been a long ways from the river. Let's all stand together as the worship team comes. So I didn't mean this to be a heavy sermon, but I just wanted to, I wanted to exhort you. And as the worship team comes, I want you to close your eyes just for a second. Let's, let's do something here. You know, the Bible says that if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. The Bible says that if we ask, we, we ask, he responds to us. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't care where you are spiritually, but all of us need an encounter with God. I think that's what the world needs. Some of our great arguments and our points, we, we think that we are making to people to convince them. They just kind of fall dead sometimes. I'm not saying we shouldn't make our points, but we have to trust the Holy Spirit that he will do something to the point that we're making, that he will impact someone's life, take our words and impact someone's life. I found out this, I used to, when I first would witness the people, I always try to get them saved, you know, I'm going to get you saved, you know. And sometimes it ended up being a kind of an ugly scene because they didn't want to get saved. And I'm determined to get them saved, you know, and so it got to be kind of an ugly scene. But I found out while that I'm not the one that can convert anybody. That if the Holy Spirit's not working with me, I can't do it. So all I can do is do my very best in presenting the argument or presenting the principles or presenting the truth. And it's up to the Holy Spirit to take what I'm saying and do something with it in this person's life. And sometimes people aren't ready. But let me ask you a question. Are you ready? Not to get saved. I hope you're saved already, but are you ready? Are you ready for God to destroy every speculation, every reasoning, every, every, every self-justification that you've set up? Are you ready for God to destroy that and allow your heart to be impacted? Because as long as those things are put up there, it will keep God from doing his work in your life. But if you let those things drop, if you let those things fall, what happens is the way is made open. You know, it's interesting, John the Baptist, when he came, he came as a forerunner to Jesus. His whole job, his whole job was to lull things high, high things low. His whole job was to destroy things that were set up against people's, in people's minds against the coming of Jesus. He was to prepare the people for Jesus. And there's a work, it's like the work of John the Baptist that has to go on in our lives, where things that are, we are exalting in our minds. We, we, we have this high thing in our minds, but this is a big deal. It might be a big deal to you, but sometimes big deals to us are not big deals to God. And then we got this little thing. It's no big thing, but that little thing might be a big thing to God. And there was something about the spirit that was on John the Baptist that he could, when he would preach, it would go into those areas of high things and low things, trees that shouldn't be there, and it, the axe was laid to the root, and high things were brought down, low things were brought up, and a, a straight way was made for Jesus to come and preach to people. It was amazing. And that has to happen in our lives, where something takes place, where our defenses 
because we realize this, that our defenses are not just against other people where we have fences up. If you have fences up against other people, you have fences up against God. And that's why they have to come down. And you've got to have like baby skin, like it's real soft and tender, where it's not hard and harsh. And you're sitting out there all alone, out in the middle of nowhere, planted in a gravelly old ground where the sun is beating on you and there's no moisture and you're just becoming this cactus. I'm a cactus Christian. If you come near me, one of my quills will stick in you and it will be hard to get it out. Now, people shouldn't experience that when, we come, when they come in contact with us. They should experience love, joy, peace. Amen? Because we're living by the river. Does that make sense? Amen. So let's close our eyes for just a minute. Lift your hands up and just say, Lord, I open up my heart. I ask you now to pour out afresh and anew your spirit. Dissolve every speculation, every reasoning, every high thing exalted against you. Bring it down and let the river begin to flow in my life. Let times of refreshing come from the presence of God, afresh and anew. Now just lift your voice up and let God hear your voice as we sing this song. Hallelujah.
Praise God. Let's lift our hands, would you? Hallelujah. Just give God some praise, some audible praise right now. Lord, we just thank you, God. Hallelujah. We give you audible praise, Lord. Hallelujah. Let that river flow through your life right now. Hallelujah. Let the river of praise, let the river of worship flow through your life right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, in just a minute here, I'm going to ask you for prayer counselors to come forward. But first, I want to pray for Sam here. Come on up here, Sam. Sam is uh, going, he's going to um, uh, decide, um, YWAM, Youth with a Mission School. And then he's for three months, right? Yeah, three months in another country, which they pray about which country they're going to. So it's a big step for him. How old are you, Sam? 17. He's 17 years old. Most of his life he grew up here in the church. And I, mean, I, I got to give him a lot of credit for um, desiring to do something, you know, really impactful with his life. He wants to reach other people in other countries. And he has a heart after God, heart to be involved in ministry. And we just want to release him. Uh, into that calling. And so I, I wonder if you guys, some of you guys could gather around. Let's just pray for him right now and believe that God will direct his path, guide his path, keep him safe, connect him with the right people. Lord, we thank you for Sam's secret now, Lord. Hallelujah. Just thank you, God, that as you have directed his life and, and you have led him this far, God, that you will open the door for him, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you that uh, your word to him is, let not your heart be troubled, that you got this. Hallelujah, that you work out the details, that you will connect him to friends, great friends that he can connect with. He'll find people of his same breed, those that have a passion and a heart for the things that he has. He'll find people that he is uh, akin to, a kinship spirit to. Hallelujah, I just believe that, Sam, that you're going to find people that have a kinship spirit to you. And you're going to be, wow, where have you been all my life? I never knew I could have people like you in my life. And you're going to find people like that have the same passions, their DNA, they're aligned with what you're aligned with. And God's going to put his hand on you afresh and anew. And you're going to experience things that you never thought possible in the things of God. Hallelujah. And Father, we just bless Sam right now. And we release him, God, into this next uh, event or this next period of time in his life. We just release him, Lord, now. And thank you, God, that you're, you're, you're going to use him for your purposes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that he'll grow and be a tower, a giant in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That he'll, his feet will stand in other countries, Lord, and he'll declare your word. And we just thank you, Lord, for making his tongue like the pen of a ready writer to write the words of your book on the hearts and minds of people, Lord. We just thank you for that now, God. And let your anointing come upon him now and let him be in your divine protection, we pray, in the name of Jesus. We release him now. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Sam. Go with God. Godspeed. Amen. Well, I'm going to close the service now. If you need prayer and maybe you, you say, man, I need one of those encounters like that Mr. Cook, Beckett. What a name, huh? Beckett. Uh, whatever. So he had. That's one thing he had to overcome is his name, Beckett. So, um, but if you, if you need prayer like him, you need, I need an encounter with God. I want you just, as soon as I dismiss, just make your way forward. Or if you have a physical need or any other need that you might have, uh, these altars are open. One of these people would be glad to pray for you. 
and minister to you. And so God's good, amen? amen. We got some refreshments in the back, ding-dongs and ho-hos and coffee and all kinds of good things. So please join us back there in the back. But otherwise, God bless you, everybody. If you need prayer, please come forward. You're free to go. God bless you. And I want you to know that he can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org.